0: we come this morning to what i believe is the climax of paul's letter to the church at philippi chapter 4 verses 2 and 3. it is a specific appeal to unity to church unity and i believe paul was heading here uh, right when he began his letter as we saw in the first uh, chapter the first uh, 11 verses five times he addressed all of you all of you, or as we talked about here in Kentucky, all of y'all. And uh, that, that was the point of his prayer in verses 9 to 11, to approve what is excellent. It's why he explained how he set aside his personal comfort, uh, even his freedom uh, for the sake of Christ uh, and the gospel, chapter 1, verses 12 to 26, and how he concluded that. Verse 27, he said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then we saw in chapter 2 that he wrote about humility was the the key to unity. If you want to have the kind of unity that will honor God, it has to come from people who are humble. Um, Verse 3 of chapter 2, In humility count others more significant than yourselves. Wow, does that go contrary to the way our world looks at things today. And then he pointed to the humility of Jesus on the cross. He pointed to the humility of his co-worker Timothy, who was... Genuinely concerned for your welfare and Epaphroditus who nearly died for the work of Christ these examples of this uh, Humble approach that will lead to unity and then we saw uh, in chapter 3 kind of the, the balance to that that the The goal of unity is to advance the gospel message and he says in verse 2 look out for the dogs We are the true circumcision uh, verse 7 whatever gain I had counted as Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then he talks about two, two different ways that it can go. One way is to follow his example, and the other way is to walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he concluded chapter 4, verse 1, therefore stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Paul uh, has made his case for unity, and now he comes to his clinching appeal, and we're just going to look at verses 2 and 3 this morning of chapter 4, so let me read them. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life Lord show us what you want out of this oh Lord we've we've prayed for it we've sung it and our desire and and we've desired it uh, in, in the pastoral search we we want that kind of unity that that witnesses to the world that you love the people around us and that you place us where we are so that we can bring your love to those around us we pray in Jesus name so I'm looking at four different elements that are involved in unity, as as Paul explains it. The first one, he says, this this, ele- this, this unity, church unity, is urgent. Uh, this this word, I entreat euodia, I entreat Syntyche. The the root Greek word for this, and I don't I don't usually like I don't like to do that, but but this is such a, a powerful thing. It's the same word that is translated comforter for the Holy Spirit. So the idea here is I. I urge you, I, I beg you, I appeal to you, I exhort you. Romans 12, 1, where he says, I, I beseech you, I appeal to you, uh, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's, a, it's an urgent call to them for this unity. But it's also, he wants them to change, but at the same time, he says, uh, change with a friend alongside uh, to help and to comfort. So it's basically like he's saying, come on, you two. Come on, you two, work it out. Get it, get it together. Work it out. And it's, and it's urgent because it's so important. Church unity is so important. And if the search, pastoral search committee feels that there's church unity here, that's, that's the foundation for which they can do their work and the way the Lord will lead. But it's urgent because it's important as the basis for the spread of the gospel. John 17, we've seen this before when Jesus prayed, that they all may be one, Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and you have loved them even as you have loved me. How's the world going to know that Jesus was sent by God, by the way his people get along with each other? Uh, this, is, this is what Jesus prayed the night that he was arrested. I, I, I don't know what, what you would pray if I knew I was going to get arrested that night. I, I'd probably pray for uh, to be able to get away. Uh, I'd probably pray, pray for the, the strength to get through this, to overcome. And Jesus prayed for his followers at that time. Uh, because their unity in getting the message out, that's job one for the church. The way to spread the gospel, John 13, 34 and 35, is by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You remember from the family night we had that. That's why unity is so urgent, and that's true for the Philippians in this letter, and it's true for us as part of the Grace Free Church family here. Four elements. The first one is that unity is urgent. The second one is unity is personal. I appeal to you, I entreat you, you odia. Um, these elders just keep sitting on opposite sides, and i i just i can't they told me they were going to switch up one of these weeks, so I couldn't use this, but they only got a couple of weeks to go yet i you know does it surprise you that Paul writes a letter that's going to be read in front of the whole church and he names these two women, calls them by name i I entreat you, Yodhia, and I entreat you, Syntyche, come on, you two. He's not trying to embarrass them, but he's trying to let them know that he knows specifically what's going on. He knows the situation, he knows their names, but notice he does not say what their disagreement was. So the issue is not sin, he would have addressed that. The issue is not false teaching, he would have said something about that. What's going on between these two is personal. If one of them was wrong, Paul would have corrected them. But he doesn't say that one of them was wrong. He doesn't need to handle it, but he expects them to work it out, to agree in the Lord. It's okay to agree that we don't agree on this. We're not going to be unanimous. But to have the same mind for the good of the church. The unity of the church is about Jesus is Lord. Amen? The unity of the church is about that Jesus is Lord. That's what brings us together. And whatever else there is that's going on is less important than that. So work it out. Now there's several great things that Paul tells us about these two women. Verse 3, They have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. These women were hard workers with the Apostle Paul. Now if you know the history of this church at Philippi from Acts chapter 16, when the church was planted it was only women. That, that's how the church got started. All of them were, were believers in Jesus. They, uh, the, the sign is that they, whose names are in the book of life, Revelation 21, we're a couple weeks away from Revelation 21, yet in the Sunday service, or the Sunday school hour. Revelation 21, of those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, isn't it interesting that God has a book with names in it? Isn't it interesting that God takes notes and that he puts names in? And those who work to spread the gospel and those who work to restore relations, those who are peacemakers, have a reward ahead of them and eternal life. So the third uh, factor in unity is that third, unity is done in the Lord. This in the Lord phrases fifty-one times in the New Testament. Several times it says to believe in the Lord, but other times show that this in the Lord is the atmosphere of life. So, for example, Colossians three eighteen: Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting. In the Lord, uh, children, obey your parents. I can hear the children speaking up. Obey your you, come on parents, speak up at least. Okay. Obey your, your, your parents in the Lord. Uh, Revel, uh, Romans 16, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. In the Lord is the atmosphere in which we do everything in the church, in which we are to do everything in the church. So if they continue to disagree, they need to set aside their personal disagreement and the interest, their personal interest in order to concentrate on having the same mind for the good of the church. And then the fourth factor in unity is that other people must help. So if you think, well, I don't have a problem with anybody. You still have a part in this passage. You still have a part in this letter. Others must help get involved because he says, I ask you loyal yoke fellow. We're not sure who this person is. It could be one of the overseers and deacons that he had specifically addressed in chapter one, verse two. But the unity is to pursue after Jesus. Nothing is more important than seeing Jesus is above all and making sure that everything that we do is about Jesus. Making sure that everything that all of us do as a church, as leaders and as people in the church is about Jesus. So help these two, help Yodia, help Syntyche, see that Jesus is more important than whatever their issue is that's separating them. In any group of people, you have a group of sinners. Agreed. In any church, you're going to have a group of sinners. In any uh, family, you're going to have a group of sinners. Agreed. Keep, keep saying amen on these because I I, I want to make sure you're with me, even even all the way to the back row here. I want to make sure because the front row is getting it right here. I mean, they're they're all they're all with me. The first two rows are with me all the way here. All right. Um, in any sports team, there has to be there's there's going to be disagreements. In any office team, in any family, in, in any relationship, somebody's going to offend somebody else and somebody's going to be hurt. When that happens in the church, the difference is that Christians must be eager to forgive and to move on. So, why don't we sometimes? Pride, I mean, I think that's that's the main thing. We don't want to deal with our, our hurts. We're going to deal with this more next week when we look at... Why Pray When You Can Worry? That's, that's the sermon title for next week, so you, you want to hear that one, Why Pray When You Can Worry? But we just don't want to do things the Bible's way. We don't want to deal with hurts the Bible's way. Sometimes an anthill will allow it to grow into a mountain of hard feelings. Now listen, nobody expects that everybody in the church is going to agree on everything. That, that, that's unreasonable. That, that's not what, what we're talking about here. But if you hold a grudge, get it settled today. We're going to talk about how important that is. And again, the common ground is Jesus is Lord. And when Jesus is not Lord of the relationships in the church, that church is going to lose power and their witness, and it's going to be divided. Now, I want to do some extra teaching on this, and I'm, I'm sure the elders are aware of these passages, but I want to go over them all because you, we all need to know them, and if we already know them, we need to be reminded of them. Several passages to inform us on this issue, to help us resolve it. When should people get involved? Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I'm sure the elders know this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I'm just giving you the references up there. Uh, If you jot down the references, and then you can look up the passages later, but these are so important. If anyone is detected in a transgression, a crossing over, a trespassing, a a breaking of the law, a breaking of relationship, you who have received the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, so he's calling on us, we've received the Holy Spirit. If you are following the Spirit, it's not like somebody who's really super spiritual. That's not what he's talking about here. It's talking about somebody who is of the spirit. Then that is your job to restore those who, are, who have broken away, who, have, who are caught in a transgression, to restore them and to do it in a spirit of gentleness. Here's another urgent passage, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift i think most of us would do anything to not get into the middle of some kind of a dispute Um, but that's that's what's needed that's what that's what jesus says is needed all it takes is is a good ear to listen maybe a couple years ears, to listen, uh, two ears, one mouth, take a hint. I mean, that's the way God created us, two ears and a mouth, one mouth. It doesn't matter whether it's the leader, whether it's the elders, it's, it's called on in the body of Christ. If there's somebody that's been caught in a transgression, you have the Spirit, listen and seek to restore them. Restore them back, especially restore them to God and uh, find resolution for peace if it's personal and you feel like that person has sinned against you so you've witnessed that sin or you've felt that sin that somebody's committed against you it is so urgent that you take care of that this is what Jesus says before you go to church the next time before you go to church before you bring your offering before you come before the Lord and bring an offering of song or bring an offering of prayer or bring an offering at all scripture warns us uh, so definitely before communion which which is this morning, so we'll talk about that. Go and seek resolution because Scripture contains these warnings if we do not seek resolution. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When we let sin stay and we don't deal with it, our hearts begin to become a little bit more hard, and then harder, and then harder. The deceitfulness of sin. Oh, sin can't deceive me. Oh, yes, it can, every one of us. Or Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That bitterness is like the weed in the sidewalk. You know how that weed comes up and then it can split the sidewalk wide open if you allow it to continue to grow. Examine ourselves. Lord, am I okay with everybody in the body of Christ? Is there anybody that I'm having any kind of a, uh, uh, that I I try to avoid, that I, I sit on the opposite side of the church service from them because I'm trying to avoid them? Is there anybody like that? So, When do we get involved? Before you go to church, before you bring your offering. And so how do we approach our brother? And again, this is a very well-known passage, but let me remind us of it again. Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the telephone pole that's in your own eye? I I changed the word to telephone pole. It's in the margin. Uh, It may not be in the text, but it's in the margin. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a telephone pole in your own eye? You hypocrite first take the log, listen to this, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So because we see fault in our own lives doesn't excuse us, it says deal with your own sin first, deal with your own attitude first, but then go, then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother and help them to be able to see clearly. It doesn't prevent us from approaching our brother, it prepares us when we check ourselves and find our own sin. Humility because I am a sinner. I'm very grateful. I have given permission to people in my life, especially when I was on staff at a church. The others on staff, the others who were the leaders in the church, they knew they had permission. If they saw something in me, to come and talk to me about it. And then it's my responsibility to receive that. Do you have people around you? I I love that there's so many of you that are involved in the home groups, the grace groups. That's where relationships can be to say to others in the group, if you see something in me that doesn't match up to what the Word of God says, please come and talk to me about it. And then respond openly and be ready to receive if they come and talk to you about it. Matthew 18, I want you to turn your Bibles for this one, for the next passage. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15. I want us to see this because we're going to walk through it. It's it's a very important passage, and again, I'm sure the elders are aware of it, and many of you may be aware of it as well. But I I want us to see it uh, again, the words of Jesus as he's teaching here. And and I want you to notice, we're going to begin at um, verse uh, 15, but I want you to notice the passage just before it is talking about the, the leave the 99 sheep and go for the one just reminds us that every single brother or sister in Christ is worth pursuing. The context here is talking about believers. Pursue after that one lost sheep until it is found. To be reconciled, first of all, to God and then to the body. Um, Just you answer this question for yourself. If you began to drift away from the Lord, would you want somebody to come after you? I hope the answer has three letters. Yes, I would want somebody to come after me. So therefore, then we need to pursue after our brother, a brother or a sister. And if we see somebody drifting away from the Lord, God, the, the Lord Jesus commands us to have the responsibility to go after them. Well, how, how do we pursue after them? How do we go after that one? So beginning in verse uh, 15, shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." I'm going to come back to that. So the occasion is, when do we do this? If your brother sins against you, or if you feel that he sinned against you, or if you see that your brother has sinned, it is so important to understand that this is something that you have firsthand knowledge of. This is not something that's a rumor. You've heard from somebody else. It's not gossip. But if you see it or you are aware of it and you see it, We have a responsibility to go to that person, to go to that one. This is so important, and um, we we had this happen in in our church, and we had to address it a couple of times, where uh, a, a teen was not living with the Lord, and what we had was people would go and tell the parents. That's not what you do. That's not what Jesus says here. He doesn't say if you see a teen sinning, go and tell the parents. Go to the teen. Or if you see somebody and you're concerned about somebody being in an affair, go to the person that you see, not to the spouse. Give the person a chance to make things right before it would become known. Go to the sinner. Look, I know I have a log in my own eye. I have a telephone pole in my eye, but this is what I'm seeing. And I want to help any way that I can. If your brother sins against you. Secondly, issues between brothers and sisters in the body are to be confidential as much as possible. Verse 15, it's between you and him alone. What that means is don't talk to anybody else as you approach your brother. Don't go, don't go to somebody else and say, hey, this person's doing this and I need you to pray because I need to go talk to them. No, you don't you won't even go and ask for prayer for it. Go to that person just between you and him. Thirdly, the goal is reconciliation. Verse 15 continues, you've gained your brother. And that would end the process. If you've gained the brother, if they respond well, Oneness is the key to the gospel, being able to go ahead. Fourth, if that doesn't achieve reconciliation, then take one or two others along with you. Now, these are witnesses. These would be people that would be acceptable to you and to the, to your brother. This, brother, this is something I see in your life. Well, I, I don't believe you. Well, do you mind, uh, let's, let's talk about a couple of people that maybe could come and... and and listen to me, and tell me maybe if I'm wrong, and, and listen to you, and, and help you. Uh, we're we're in this together. We're we're in this uh, uh, for the sake of the for the sake of the gospel. Somebody who is acceptable to both parties to help here. One of the biggest jobs that I've had in in trying to mediate situations like that is to act as a translator. Now I've I've taught overseas. I taught in Thailand and, and I had every time that I taught, every word, that every sentence that I said, I had an interrupter. Uh, you know, you call them an interpreter, but I call them an interrupter because they would keep interrupting to, to translate what, what I was saying. But sometimes that's what's needed. It's somebody to say, here's what I hear you saying. Here's what I hear you saying. How can I help bring about this, this uh, reconciliation here? And if that doesn't achieve reconciliation, Jesus uh take one or two others along. And then the fifth step is, tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. Now, this is only after you've gone to your brother individually and after you've gone to them directly, and then you've gone back again with a couple of witnesses. And even so, it may not mean that you announce it into the service, but that the church leaders get involved in the reconciliation. This, I think, is one of the most important jobs that the elders have that if there is a dispute in the church and there's a disagreement in the church, the elders have the responsibility to come in as this third level of witnesses and to be able to help bring about reconciliation. If there is no response, even when you've told it to the church and to the elders, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, it's in that context that I want to read verse 18. Back in in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them." What Jesus is saying here is this isn't, you know, an implication might be broader than this, but the application of it is for dealing with a dispute. If you go in to help somebody and to try to bring about reconciliation, Jesus says, I'm going to go with you. I will be with you. Where two or three, that's the witnesses. In the context here, that's the witnesses that are going with you. I'm going with you as well. Because this is so important to the Lord Jesus. What what a great promise that is. Um, And then if if there's still no progress, well, then you've got something deeper going on. And what was Jesus' response to the pagan or to the tax collector? What was Jesus' response to them? It wasn't excommunication. It was, they need the gospel. They need the message of the gospel. Bring them the gospel. Pray for their salvation. And then Jesus follows this with a story, the parable of the unforgiving servant, where he says, uh, we need to recognize that my sin against God is so much greater than whatever your sin is against me or against anybody else. He talks about millions of dollars versus thousands of dollars so now we know what to do, here's what Paul says, here's what Jesus says, here's what our instructions are, now we need to do it. We need to make sure that we do it or else we're going to be hindering the gospel. The Lord Jesus is what is who unites us. Unity is love, love for the Lord Jesus, obedience to the Lord Jesus, worshiping the Lord Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And when it's all about Jesus, then every other issue fades in significance, is less important. For Paul, being about Jesus was more important than him being in or out of prison. Him being about Jesus was more important for Paul than even if he was executed. It's all about Jesus. So my, my prayer is that this will be a church not only of unity, but a church where all of you will help each other towards unity. All of us are in that verse, to help each other towards that unity, that unity that seeks to seek after Jesus and put him first in our lives. Father, thank you that because we are physical human beings and live so much by our senses, you give us this sense reminder of the broken body and the blood poured out of the Lord Jesus Christ as he died, Christ died for us our sins thank you may we live that may we take that message to those around us we pray for your glory in Jesus name